Hey, 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 what's going on, Cox Talks Nation? Welcome back to the po- Cox Talks podcast. Been a while, been a minute. I believe the last episode we had was uh, the episode with Bear when we were talking trucking. Uh, been a while. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, just bat- battling a, a bit of a, you know what, it's not even a cold. Um been involved in coaching a couple. Uh, we're right in the middle of playoffs. So the Oxford Bruins, the team that I that I uh, help coach, right in the middle of playoffs, and uh, we've been we've been going hard with the playoffs. We're on to uh, round three uh, against the Clarington Eagles. We'll be starting that uh, the night of April sixth. But anyways, been a lot of yelling and screaming and hollering, and was at a big Jack and Jill there on the weekend. So my voice just isn't quite. Uh, where it needs to be, and I, you know what, I battled one of those colds too, all fucking winter long, it seemed like I was battling a cold, just one of those things that wouldn't go away, I don't know, I've heard rumors of this thing called a 90 day cough or whatever, but I don't know if that's what I had or what's going on, but uh, bear with me, it's just one episode that my voice is going to sound like shit, maybe it sounds not too bad, I don't even know, but uh, bear with me. So today's episode, we're going now. Uh, we're going a little vintage. We're going a little vintage here. We're gonna have a beer review. We're gonna have a donut review, and we got a couple guests on. Um, yeah, and and we're gonna talk. Hey, listen, <clears throat> pardon me. We're gonna talk Jack and Jills, and let's get that out of the way first. Um, but of course, before we get there, house cleaning as always. Questions, comments, concerns, dilemmas at the Cox Talks podcast on Instagram. Hit me up there. Hit me up on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter um, at Trevor Dofsky on Twitter. And of course, uh, again, Facebook or if you have my personal contact information, get a hold of me there. And feedback is always welcome. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to come at me with. I got broad shoulders. I'm a piece of shit human being. People are always telling me what a loser I am. So if you got bad feedback, I'm all good for that too. I'm set right up. Thick skin, thick skin over here. But went to a Jack and Jill on the weekend. Got there a little bit late because I was coaching hockey. And let me just go out and say this. Through all that COVID bullshit and and the lockdowns and whatever you want to call them, it's nice that all those are gone. And it's nice that we can get back to having social events like Jack and Jill's. Now, this Jack and Jill wasn't quite as, um, I don't even know, hillbilly, <laughs> I guess we'll call it, as the last one that I reported on, on the Cox Talks podcast. Having said that, there was one pair of leather pants at this Jack and Jill, and I'm going to tell you what, the last two Jack and Jills I've been to, two pairs of leather pants. Now, I know the young lady and her husband listen to this podcast the lady that was wearing the leather pants she's a good friend of mine her husband is a good friend of mine so I'm not gonna make fun of her too much I just want to say it was great to see leather pants out of Jack and Jill because fuck like what's a Jack and Jill without a set of leather pants right right but anyways no it was good to get out in the community you know springs on the horizon it's Jack and Jill season and it was an excellent, excellent turnout. And I must say, um, an, another little piece of advice I have. If you're hosting a Jack and Jill, or you're thinking of hosting a Jack and Jill, and I, I noticed this, and I noticed this quite a few years ago, but it never occurred to me till the other night. You want to have a good, successful Jack and Jill, have the first one of the year. 
have the first Jack and Jill of the year, host it in late March or early April, like the one I was at Saturday, and you it promises it promises to be a packed house. People have been cooped up in the winter all along. You know, the only place they socialize is with other hockey parents or or maybe they don't socialize at all because they're winter hermits. The first Jack and Jill comes along. You got that you had that nice spring feeling weather all day long, all day Saturday. People want to get out. They want to get out of the house. They're feeling fresh. They're feeling energized. They're feeling ready to go. You want to have a successful Jack and Jill, have the first one of the year. So um a big congratulations to to Garrett Harma and his and his lovely fiance Sarah. Their their Jack and Jill was a huge success. I had a blast there. I drank way too many Molson Canadians. Bud Light was on tap, but I felt like being a real fucking man and drinking some Molson Canadian. And uh, yeah, I had my my hair. I had some sore hair the next morning, but that's okay. That's what it's all about: getting out, having a good time, and supporting a newlywed family. So big congratulations to them on their Jack and Jill. Moving on, speaking about beer. So last year, you folks may remember, um, I went to a customer appreciation day. Peter Archer and his stunning wife, Donna, had me down to their farm, Amazing Acres, for customer appreciation day where I where I recorded a podcast. A, a podcast. Fuck, I'd do a podcast, that's for sure. A podcast live on location. So they had me back again this year and um, I was able to sit down with uh, Pete, Pete Archer and Sean Schill, um, a farmer out of Arthur, Ontario and kind of picked their brains about uh, working with dad on the farm. And these, those two uh, fellows, uh, we have a lot of fun. I got to know them over Twitter um, if you follow along on Twitter, quite often you see me interacting with these two donkeys, and uh, we have a lot of fun. We throw a lot of shade at one another. There's a lot of daggers going around there, and back to having thick skin. Um, there is a group of people on Twitter that we interact with, Mark McLean, Lyle Campbell, Lyle's lovely wife, but whose name I can't fucking pronounce, so I'm not going to go down that road. Um, Brett Myers, Sean, Pete, myself, Garrett, uh Harry Bennett, good old fucking Harry Bennett. Anyways, if you if you notice, we're always shooting daggers at each other. We're always giving each other a, a tough go, but it's always it's always in good fun. So I was able to sit down with those two and kind of pick their brains on, you know, they they grew up. They're kind of in a funny. They're kind of in a. I wouldn't say funny. They're they're in a situation on their operations now where their dads are still very involved, but now they have become the dads as well as you know their teenage and and some of their children as early or as old as their early twenties, I believe, um, they are now heavily involved in the farm too. So they're kind of the middleman, you know? So, um, it was, it was kind of interesting to pick their brains on, uh, how they handle being a father on the farm. Um, of course I, I had about, I think I, I think I tapped out at three pieces of turtle pie, but I'll tell you what the big hit of the dessert at Amazing Pie Day, in my opinion, were the homemade donuts. Now, Pete's youngest son, Burton, he is an aspiring chef. I don't know if that's actually what he wants to do with his life, but Pete and Donna made it very clear that uh, this young man is a very good cook, loves to cook, always trying new recipes and, and trying new things. And... Um, so he decided for Pie Day to make some fresh homemade donuts. And let me tell you what, 
I'm not afraid to admit that I dummied about four donuts too. So three pieces of pie, four donuts, a nice pork sandwich, some coleslaw. Oh yeah, it was quite the meal. But these donuts, listen, credit where it's due. Burton, I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but job well done on the donuts. They weren't, they were of perfect consistency perfect consistency they were nice and moist and the glaze it was like a honey glaze they they were kind of like an old almost like an old-fashioned glazed donut but they were a lot more if you go to if you go to shit hortons um you get their old-fashioned glaze and they're 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 light they're very light and they're dry these donuts they were they were heavy they were heavy donuts perfectly glazed not too sweet either. They were, they you know what? They were just right. They were perfect. I highly recommend if you're in the greater Camelford area, do not go to the bakery in Camelford. The bakery in Camelford is very good, but try and p- track down Amazing Acres, track down Burton, and get some of his homemade donuts. That uh, that beeping in the background, funny, we're talking about cooking and uh, my old lady here sets the fire alarm off. So that's what that beeping in the background was. But uh, yeah, job well done on Burton. Very good donuts. I'd put them in my top 10. So that's, you know, a guy that's tried a lot of donuts from a lot of different places. I'm not afraid to throw those in my top 10, Bert. So job well done. Now, the beer review. Every year... Old Popsicle Pete gets a fresh batch of craft beer made for the Customer Appreciation Day. Now, I brought home, I had a beer with all my donuts and my fucking turtle pie. I was actually looking for a bed to have a nap in while I was there, to be honest. But I was able to mix in a good nap uh, while Pete was up, you know, doing his presentation on the day. It was a great time for a nap, so I was able to take advantage of it. Anyways, um, so this beer, so this year, last year I said the beer, it had a real uh, a real hippie flavor to it, right? Like, um, I don't know if you guys remember or not, but like, you know, a van with a lady shooting a rocket and so on and so forth. Well, this year's, this year's beer was, I don't know, man, it was... Uh, I'm Pete, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a tough go. It was a tough go getting that can of beer into me. I made it through it. Um, but everybody know I'm not a craft beer guy. So it's it's pretty tough for me to dive into a six-pack of craft beer. But I, I had one, and I brought home six. And I had another one the other day for the for the beer review. And holy fuck, let me tell you. That's a, man, that's a man's beer right there. That beer... That beer will put goddamn hair on your chest. The type of guy I see drinking this beer is like a cross between a Carling drinker, who we all know, you know, a couple DUIs, maybe a domestic abuse charge, drinks on his front stoop. Not his front porch, not his front deck, his front stoop. And the Molson Canadian guy, you know, he's just the guy that likes to go to his buddy's house and build decks. Well, this guy that drinks this year's edition of Amazing Acres beer, he's a welder. 100% this guy is a welder, okay? And he's got his own little welding shop. This is how I see it. He's got his own little welding shop. You know, one of those shops in the center of town that's been there probably since the 50s or 60s. His dad owned the welding shop first, right? And the town, they're trying to buy him out because, you know, they want to put in a new fucking food land or a new LCBO or something. But he just won't sell. And everything around this shop is, you know, 
prim and proper and squeaky clean, but this fucking welding shop in downtown whatever, like a town of like 5,700 people. Okay, that's where this welding shop is, and this it's dirty looking. Like the wind, like all the brick, the signage, um, the the windows, the door, it's all original with this building. Okay, and this guy goes in there every morning at like eight o'clock, and he just fucking welds shit. You know, farmers bring old broken axles and broken this and broken that, and he just fucking welds it up, right? But what he does, well, he's welding. He's banging darts. Now, he's not stopping in between weld jobs to have a dart. He's smoking darts under his welding helmet. That's what that's what this guy is doing that drinks Pete's beer. He wears white t-shirts too. White t-shirts that are just black, actually, from, from the soot and the steel dust and whatever. Shaved head. This guy's got a shaved head and a gold hoop earring in his left ear, like a smaller, you know, like the, the you know, guys used to get him like in the 80s and stuff. Buck Greneveld, anybody that knows Buck Greneveld, he used to have his ear pierced. Anyways, uh, he's an Alberta guy. Just a small, you know, really thin hoop. Probably been in there, never been out of his ear since the day he got his ear pierced. And this guy, like, you would like he probably only weighs about 105 pounds too. He's just so skinny. Never does up his work boots. His work boots are never tied. Now my favorite thing about this guy that that is drinking Pete's beer, he's got like a 1989 Ford F150, just a two-wheel drive though. Two-wheel drive and the thing is in pristine condition. Okay? Pristine. The guy's never been married. He doesn't have any kids. This truck is his life. It is the most valuable, most important thing in his life. It's two-tone. I see it as like red on the on the top and on the rocker on the rocker panels there. And like a almost like a cream white down the middle. No cap on it, nothing but this this truck, I'm telling you. This truck is mint. And he drives it everywhere and he drives so goddamn slow. So goddamn slow. So it's like you get up behind him and you're like, oh, fuck. Shit. There's old Davey McNabb the welder out for a Sunday drive. And you can just tell, you know, he's having a dart. Probably got a can of uh, Pete's beer in his cup holder. Don't drink and drive, people. But that's the type of guy I see drinking this year's edition of Amazing Acre Beer. Just an old, a good old boy, a welder. Nobody ever bothers him. He doesn't bother anybody, just goes at life his own way. Just a rugged, a rugged, rugged human being. So, Pete, you wanted a beer review. There's your beer review on this year's edition of Amazing Acres. So, without further ado, um, let's bring in uh, Dave, or Dave, that's his brother. Let's bring in Sean and Pete. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to play with your audio here a little bit. Um... When I listen to it back, it's it's not terrible, but it's just it's kind of all over the map because what I had to do was I had to set up my microphone in front of a speaker and record it that way because that's fucking just the only way I could figure out how to do it exactly. So bear with the audio. Um, it's it's kind of a one-off deal. It was a fun conversation. It was a fun time. So uh, check it out. 
Okay, so I guess if we can get settled in here, um, as Pete brought up, I am recording this as a podcast, so last year worked out okay doing it this way, we'll see how it goes this year. So um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Trevor Cox, uh, born and raised on a dairy farm in Uxbridge. I do not a lot of dairy farming. I save that for my dad and my brother. I do some trucking, I coach some hockey, and uh, spend a lot of time on Twitter, actually, to be honest with you. So um, this is the second year Pete's had me here to speak. And uh, just to touch on the fellow earlier that mentioned about, you know, how many have had a bad day? How many have been mad? How many have been depressed? Well, when I woke up this morning and I realized I had to deal with Pete, trifecta, right there. I was mad. I was going to be a bad day. I was a little depressed. But for those of you that were here last year, I knew I was going to get to see Donna today. So the gray clouds, they kind of cleared. And uh, Pete, not to sound like too much of a threat, but it's been, actually I looked at the calendar, it's been 364 days since I asked Donna to marry me and she has yet to say no. So that's in the back of my mind. And I was wondering this morning when I was driving down here, you know, how I still felt about Donna and so forth and so on. And then I had a slice of the turtle pie at lunch there. And I tell you, Donna, the flame's still burning. The flame's still burning. Yes. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, so I, I have my own podcast. It's just something I kind of picked up as a hobby during COVID. Um, there was no hockey to coach. There wasn't a lot of anything to do. I had been to Niagara College for uh, radio and television broadcasting against my dairy farming father's uh, request to go to Guelph or Kempville or Ridgetown or wherever. Um, and I never really did anything with it, so I thought I had a bit of a background in it, so I thought I'd, I'd give it a whirl. So, uh, yeah, the name of the co podcast is called the Cox Talks Podcast, C-O-X-T-O-X. -X. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, uh, wherever. It's, it's readily available, Google, wherever. So uh, I want to thank everyone for coming today, of course, and um, the connection here is back to the Twitter I started following the uh, banter between these two fellas on Twitter. And being a guy that likes to do quite a bit of chirping myself, I was very easily led, or I perhaps jumped with both feet right into the snake pit. And uh, so that's the connection between us three. I, got, I finally got to meet Sean last year here at this day, and I had met Pete a couple times before. And uh, yeah, here we are. So. To carry on off of that, I've always kind of been uh, curious, aside from the farming world, Pete and Sean, how do you two know each other? Well, I think just from Twitter and maybe Egg Talk back, you were kind of a lurker on Egg Talk more, Sean? Or? I was more of a lurker on Egg Talk at the time. I actually, uh, I was reading uh, Egg Talk one day and this Pete keep coming up and putting uh, his... Uh, Opinions on Ag Talk, and I thought, what a, what a, dink. Dick. Dick. I'll say it. I'll say oh, it. Well, I don't want to swear in front of this crowd, but that's exactly what I was thinking. What a dick. <laughs> Anyways, I've been called Dick many a times ever since, but uh, uh, 
Pete actually showed up one time at my elevator. Actually, I wasn't around to actually meet him that time, and uh, I'm almost wishing that I would have. Uh, but anyways, he just showed up out of the blue. He wanted to come look at the generators and stuff like that, and then uh, we started conversing after that. And uh, Funny story, today, the reason why I'm here is because of Pete, obviously. Uh, but anyways, Pete sends me a text. He says, you come to Pi Day? And I was like, huh, I don't know. Our producer day was yesterday, and I didn't really decide that whether we were coming or not. Um, so I said, ah, shit, you know, we need to take a drive to Camelford. And, uh, anyways, he says, well, that's great. I said, well, I'll, I'll come to Pi Day. And he says, that's great. You're going to be on the Cox Talks podcast with me uh, tomorrow. So I got roped into this all in one text, so yeah. Funny how he's greasy like that, eh? Well, I'm just thinking the two of you up here, it's going to end up being a, a crime by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> You're welcome, seems, uh, seems <laughs> yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. Or... Thanks, Pete. <laughs> so anyhow, so the topic for today was, and I was originally going to tackle this by myself, the topic for today is um, working with dad. So... How many people in this room currently or have in the past or have in the future worked with their dad? Show of hands. Damn near everybody. Right. I think agriculture is probably one of the most prevalent industries for, for that. So, like I said, originally I was going to get up and I was going to kind of do like a, I thought a little bit of a comedy skit of working with dad, but then I realized my balls weren't quite big enough, so I wasn't going to do that. So Pete and I were brainstorming the other day on the phone. I brought the brain, he brought the storm. And uh, we decided that, yeah, we'd get Sean and Pete up here and we'd kind of talk about, you know, um, working with dad, being a dad in an operation, so on and so forth. So you guys are like the perfect fit because you both have your own operations, but you're kind of in that stage where... Your children are now very involved in the farm. They're making some decisions. They're doing a lot of the work. And um, you guys are kind of in that framework. And correct me if I'm wrong, both your fathers are still involved in the operation, but you guys are kind of in the middle between the old generation and the new generation. Is that that's pretty fair to say? So you guys get it from both sides then, right? More or less. So um, one of the first things I want to ask, and, and both of you, I want both of you to answer, please, is... Um, just give us a little bit of a rundown on how both of your kids are involved in the operation. Uh, well, we have four kids, me and my wife, uh, two daughters, two sons. My oldest son is 21. Um, he's involved fully, uh, full-time now in the operation. Um, my second daughter, Georgia, she's at uh, Ridgetown College now, and uh, she comes back to help throughout the summer. Um, and my two high schoolers, they still, they're active each and every day, uh, when they're needed. So it's, it's really, it's a family team and it's a, it's a family effort when we go to, go to farm and, uh, yeah, they're all very keen and very interested. So it's, uh, it's probably one of the more interesting times of my life right now when it comes to my family. Pete? Yeah, we're uh, a similar sort of deal, I guess, uh. We've got uh, uh, our oldest boy is Ryan. Uh, he's 20. He will be 23 this summer. 
Um, he's been uh, working here since uh, he was probably about this high and uh, learned to tie rebar at a pretty uh, pretty early age, I guess. And uh, yeah, and he's uh, by the time he was you know probably 12 years old, he could run the whole elevator around here, knew where everything went, and uh, you know, and then he onto the equipment and uh, can run everything. Uh, he does probably going to do a lot of the spraying this year. Um, yeah, he's a pretty invaluable guy to have. Got his A license now and can sub in on trucks. And uh, yeah, he's just going a million direct, different directions and uh, can do everything needs to be done. So uh, he's a great help to have him back around here. Um, our uh, second one is Marilee. Uh, she's uh, she's our, uh, our our artist in the family, and uh, we're not sure. Uh, Don and I couldn't draw a skinny stick man, so we're not sure where that's artistic talent came from. But uh, anyways. Uh, the um, yeah, she's uh, she's been here before and maybe going to come back for the summer and run scale again. And she was doing logistics for us last summer. She's a tremendous help when she's around. And uh, anyways, um, but yeah, probably not going to be involved uh, at this point in the game. Um, then we've got Borden. He'll be 18 this summer. He's uh, finishing up high school here. Going to go off to uh, Ridgetown College in the fall uh, for his A diploma. I uh, figured that was enough to keep mom off Ryan's back that that'll likely keep him, uh, keep her off his back. So uh, he's, uh, you know, runs all the equipment around here too and uh, elevators and truck loading. And uh, he's uh, doing a lot more in the shop now too. He's uh, getting pretty good with the wrenches too. So uh, that's good to see. And then uh, Burton, our donut maker here today, uh, um, no idea what uh, Burton, uh, he's interested in everything uh, good with computers. Uh, he's... Uh, Pretty smart guy. He's doing the IB program, uh, and uh, but never had the interest in uh, in the farming that the other boys have had. Um, but yeah, I don't know what. Uh, hard to say. He's uh, joined cadets. Uh, his his uh, his his latest thing. He's in army cadets now, and uh, we didn't see that coming either. So uh, he's loving that, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Very good. So in today's agriculture world, um, there's a lot of things to keep. Um, young farmers or, or kids for that matter, interested in being a farmer, taking over the farm. Um, the operation I was raised on, and please, by all, I do not mean this as a shot at my father, but it was a very unattractive view on agriculture, the way our operation was set up. A lot of small square bales, a lot of just manual labor, smaller older equipment it just it didn't look like a lot of fun to me it's a lot different in today's world with all the technology the big new shiny tractors so on and so forth what were some of your approaches um, for either one of you what were some of your approaches to get your kids interested to stick around the farm and and be involved in day-to-day -day operations because as i said when i was you know 12 13 years old i wanted nothing to do with it I actually had to move to Alberta. I didn't have to. I chose to move to Alberta to work on a large grain farm out there to kind of reinvigorate myself towards the ag industry. So what are some of the approaches? What were some of the things you guys did to keep the kids interested? Uh, I bought my kids farming simulator. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no. Honestly, it's, uh, it is, uh, it's much different than when I was a young man. Uh, starting in the business, uh, the technology that's around now, nowadays, and uh, um, it's hard to say what, I'm not saying it's hard to say, but there is more of an attraction for 
kids to come to the industry now than there used to be, and a lot of it is that the manual labor has maybe disappeared to a certain extent. Um, technology's kind of taken over. The fact that you can sit in a tractor and basically push a button and it steers itself, and then, um, but I find that my kids enjoy that part, but they also enjoy the challenge of, uh, and we like to challenge our kids in, in certain ways, um, whether it be the financial side or the data side. Like uh, they all have their their intricacies and in what they are attracted to, but. Um, and at the same time, it's it's just not that. It's the shop work. I my uh, second youngest son, uh, Wyatt. He's just like he just loves to wrench, and that's part of the farming thing too. Is that he's, uh, you know, they they get a flavor for technology. They get a flavor for um, wrenching. Uh, they get a flavor for looking at the business, and so it's it's very diverse in a lot of a lot of aspects that, you know, they get to learn all these different things that I don't think you would traditionally learn in any other type of industry, right? Um, so to, to nail it down, what did I, you know, they all have their different gifts and we try to gravitate our kids towards their gift within the business. Um, so that's kind of where I, we, we do it. Pete? Yeah, you know what, I, we have never made any effort to steer our kids towards agriculture whatsoever, you know, if, uh, if that's what they want to do, then, you know, I'm all for it and, uh, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, what, uh, what best seat to, to set them in and the bus sort of thing is uh, uh, very much a team thing around, uh, around this place with everything that's going on with, you know, the financial side of things, the merchandising side of things. Uh, uh, plus the operations, plus the, the agronomic stuff that's going on. There's there's lots of things to do, and uh, and um, you know that involve different skill sets, sort of things. So I, you know, we've been just kind of letting them gravitate towards what they want to do, and you know, see who wants to be involved. Because I'd say I never really felt that we should, you know, that make them have uh, any feeling of obligation that they need to be involved in this. Uh, if they don't want to be involved in it, then uh, you know they should you know, figure that out on their own and, and go do what they want to do. So that's absolutely. Yeah. Is it, has it been tough and, and maybe your children aren't this far within the operations yet, but I, and again, I go back to my operation at home and it's just, it's cause what I know, but when I came home from the West, um, my dad and my brother had been running the farm. I came in and, um, I, I kind of had, I have a chip on my shoulder. It doesn't matter if it's on the farm, if it's in the hockey arena, if it's driving down the road, it's just who I am. Um, but I kind of I pushed my way into decision-making. And as the time went on, the longer than I'd been home, the decisions became more between my brother and I, and my dad wasn't really involved in them, unless it was a major decision, you know, real estate or something of that nature. I know it really affected him not being involved in those decisions and for lack of a better term, not really know what's going on, or that's what he claimed. He knows what's going on, don't get me wrong, but he claims that he doesn't. Has that been something that you guys have had to struggle with yet? Do you foresee it being an issue? Can you? Can either one of you touch on that at all? <laughs> um, I think most people, most dads, especially ones that have built their own operation basically from the ground up, which I did work along with my dad for many years, um, but the operation that you see or what I've produced or developed to today was done on my own back. 
Um, so yeah, you get to a point in your life where you kind of look at it and you go, oh, this is, you know, this is what I've done, but it's not, I've kind to um, start thinking about legacy and other things that I, I want to achieve in my life. And um, at the end of the day is that, what am I doing this for right now? Well, obviously it's to move the operation to the next generation. Hopefully they have build opportunities for them. Um, will I run into the difficulty of letting go? I think probably to be honest with you, at times I will. There will be times that I'll have difficulty letting go of the decision making, whatever. But as I've talked to with you know with our my wife Bridget and we've already had discussion around the kitchen table on stuff already. Um, I want to get to a point in my life where I feel I can come to what I had built, I and you know the family or who is involved is making most of the decisions at that point in time. I can show up and still be that mentor, that person that that got it to that point. Hopefully, they uh, still choose to use me in some type of way that will make me feel needed. Um, and uh, be there every day. But I think, you know, I came from a family, uh, as I was trying to tell you before, uh, uh, my grandfather was 96, just passed away this past uh, spring. Um, he held on to his operation right to the very end. And then that got passed down into um, my aunts and uncles. Um, you know, and they're 71, my dad's 71, my dad's, or my uncles are in their uh, late 50s, 60s. Um, that transition probably didn't happen early enough for sure. That's my opinion at this time. Um, but it was his operation. We can't, we can't say what some person should do, should or not do with their operation. I do want to get to a point in my life where uh, we, to let go of some control to a point where I can see the new generation, the young blood, take it and move it on because I will get to a place where I'll probably stagnate myself. And I want to see the business carry on, so we need to let the fresh new ideas come forth and let them, they're going to make mistakes, yes. They're going to probably do some things that I won't necessarily be um, in agreement with, but at the same time, the learning experiences will be learning from those mistakes as they happen too. Can you touch on that at all, Peter? Yeah, um, I like I say we've uh, we've let our kids make decisions uh, from very early ages, sort of thing, you know, to to send them out, and uh, yeah, they've made some mistakes, but you know, I made lots of mistakes too, and uh, just figured that was part of the process of learning, right? And uh, so yeah, not that um, yeah, probably pointed out once in a while and asked Bordy why to. You think you could drive through there, you know, those sorts of things, right? But uh, he, he made the decision and he, he found out, right? So, <laughs> so that, that's good. Those, those, are, those are good answers right there. And we don't have too many of these hard-hitting questions yet. We are going to get to some more fun stuff here, but I got, I got a few left because, listen, I mean, I think, I think these are some questions that, that need to be answered. And, and I know for a fact that there are people in this audience that, sh that should be listening to this conversation. It's, it's just the way it is. Farmers, old farmers, older farmers, they have a hard time letting go. That's the way it is. I, for the record, too, I don't have any children yet that I'm aware of. And I'm not married either. So this is why I'm asking these two seasoned veterans, you know, all these questions. So I 
can prepare myself. But um, when you guys are in the shop, you're fixing the combine, or you're teaching them how to mix chemical, or you're teaching them how to run the elevator, or anything like that, are you guys very set on it, get done, it gets done your way or it gets done no way? Or are you open to letting them figure out their own way of doing something? Because there is more than one way to skin a cat, folks, let me tell you. Am I answering again first? Okay. <laughs> um, quite on, yeah, actually, that's a great question. Uh, like I, actually, in our operation, I'm not very rigid in how we do a particular thing. I act, when I'm actually mentoring or trying to teach my kids something, generally the first thing I actually ask is, how are you gonna do this? I let them think about it, generate some answers, and then through to some discussion, you know, generally like, Tell why, the, wrong. why the hell would you do it that way? <laughs> well, yeah, would be in there. First questions, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I try my best not to be rigid in those kind of scenarios where we're trying to teach somebody something. I generally want to ask them the question first, and then it may require that they're asking me questions and, and, and that type of thing. But that's how I generally approach something new when I'm teaching them is, you know, we're doing this and we'll give, I'll give them the scenario and then I'll basically ask them like, how, how do you want to do this? And then we go from there. Yeah, I, again, they let them, uh, you know, let them learn and uh, let them have their own ideas. And especially with technology that's involved now in these operations uh, on these machines, uh, they're much more uh, inept at or, or able to figure out their, uh, uh, how that, that technology works. And uh, they know Bordy running the tractor there with the air seeder last fall figuring out uh, you know how to make it uh, you know follow the contours and steer on the headlands and stuff and figure that all out so he was showing me all this and like why don't you know this old man like this, this is why you're going to the nursing home I think is how it is. <laughs> and, and a cheap one is what yeah. he's chirping me in the crowd here so so um I wanted to ask this question too, uh, especially with your children, the age that they are now, high school students, college students. Um, what are some of your specific rules, we'll call them, for um, uh, you know, putting priority and responsibility on things before maybe having a wild Friday night out during harvest or something, you know what I'm saying, trying to say here, before they go out and have fun? Like, do they have to have, you know, X amount of acres combined before you go to the ranch in barriers? Like some, you know, you know what I'm trying to get at here? Quite honestly, my kids make sure I stay at home and work. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, like, no, honestly, I, that's actually not a situation I would say is in our family whatsoever is, and I, myself as a young man, I was probably as wild as you were or whatever. Um, and there was many mornings I was meeting my dad on the way up the stairs as he was coming down the stairs to go to work. And then he, I would just turn around the top of the stairs and come back down with him. Um, but our children actually are probably uh, way more reserved in, that, in those scenarios than I, I know that I ever was. Their um, mom's good influence. 
The mother's good influence for sure, yes. Um, so that is actually is not an issue that we have in our, my kids actually there, it's quite amazing that, uh, you know, when there's, uh, when there's a hundred acres of wheat that's got to get cut by, you know, and it's going to rain, they are there right to the very end. And uh, um, I try to lead by example or tell them that's the way mom would do it anyways. <laughs> good answer, yeah. Well, that's very much our right. guys. They they know when the work needs to get done, and uh, they, that's the way they've been raised. They've uh, never seen it done any other way, and it's kind of humorous now that there's girlfriends and stuff that are involved that are coming home, and uh, you know a wedding gets mentioned. There's a wedding uh, on uh, May 10th. Ooh, don't know that we're gonna make that one, you know. So, yeah, it's tend to speak to that, Sean, about you're going up the stairs and your dad's coming home. I had many of those mornings too, and. There was always just kind of in my ear, but one morning I actually got him. I actually made him made him my my dad laugh about it. Was instead of coming in the house, I brought a taxi home and I got the taxi to take me right to the milk house. And I sat in the taxi and I wouldn't get out until Dad came out the door and saw me getting out of the taxi, ready to ready to start milking. And that one actually made him chuckle. So that was uh, I got one up on him there, but. Um, the last kind of serious question I have for you is um, the old, I hate to call old farmers old farmers because I'm going to be one someday and you two already are, but um, <laughs> the, um, there is a big generational difference and I'm sure there's a generational difference from your fathers to you and to you to your children in safety risks around the farm. How do you guys combat that? I I want to go out on a limb here and say that your kids do things safer than you do, but you guys did things a lot more safer than your dad did. You know, like sticking the extension ladder in the loader bucket and putting it up to fix the barn roof and things of that nature, right? Is Do you guys notice a big gap in safety risks between generations? I, I would say not. You know, I could say I've got to hand it to my dad. I think he's here somewhere. Uh, um, safety was always a big thing with dad, especially working around machinery, you know. Uh, I think I started uh, chopping uh, corn with a forge harvester when I was probably like about, I don't know, 10 years old or something like that. And, you know, dad's rule, I said, there's lots of guys that have lost arms and fingers and hands and everything else around that sort of equipment. And uh, he, uh, you know, his rule was, you know, if that thing plugs, you know, uh, just, uh, you just shut it off and wait there, you know, until uh, get there to figure it out, you know. And so I was always uh, brought up on that. You don't work on anything that's running. Um, that uh, that was drilled into my head from a very young age, and uh, and to pass that on to uh, to our guys too. So uh, safety's a big, always been a big priority around me. I would say for myself that you know back in the younger years, probably wasn't that it, it, we weren't trying to be safe. A lot of it was common sense that we were, you know, was kind of driven into us. Um, where we're at today, obviously, you know, I can walk into a, a, an office room that's full of procedural and um, policy and safety manuals that we have to have for our business. But um, when it comes to some of the things I actually try to teach my kids that I wish I would have done as, young, as younger as two, is basically it's uh, things that, you know, I wish even my dad would have taught us, but... Um, Ear protection was one that we didn't used to use a lot when we were kids. I'm paying for it today. What? Uh, exactly. 
exactly what. Um, yeah, like, and uh, other common sense things. Like, I, I, one day I was watching my son watch, watch a, a trailer, and he was up on the on the side of the trailer, on the trailer ladder, and he had the pressure washer gun. And then um, the trailer, the ladder is about four, three and a half feet, four feet off the ground, and it's concrete. And he just basically come off the second top rung and jumped on the ground, right? And uh, I went to him afterwards, and I just says, did you think that was the right way to do that? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, you're a young man. I says, you, you probably... Uh, it probably didn't bother you one bit, but I says, you do that for the next 15, 20 years, you're going to feel it. So it's, you know, those are the kind of common sense things I try to tell my kids now is that I used to do that all the time and I'm paying for it today. But so. it's faster to get down that way. Oh, I know. It's faster. It's faster. And you guys want, oh, dads always want more production. Get it done faster. But it's faster that way, Sean. Come on. Yeah. No. Well, it was just that, but in regards to all safety, I mean, I don't think that we were unsafe as, as kids with my dad, but the, most of his common sense is just, it's kind of been amped up to a different level, uh, just based on what our operation is today compared to them too, right? So we have employees and everything too, which, I mean, you want your kid, you, you got to treat your kids the same way as you treat your employees in, in that regard. You can't let them do things uh, that they shouldn't do because that provides... Uh, viewing for people that you're always telling them, you know, you got to do it this way or that way. Right on. So, we all know, um, and even though I don't have kids, like I said, I coached hockey, so I'm very well aware that, that kids are sneaky, they're greasy, and they're manipulative. How many times have either one of you been tricked into buying a new piece of equipment because you thought it was your idea? <laughs> that's the only way you'd end up in Alexian, I'm thinking that you had to I be I was just going to say that. That's how I ended up with Alexian. <laughs> so that's it. You, neither one of you. You've never been tricked. You're never. liars. You're liars. Never. never. <laughs> liars. Never so admit it. Yeah, okay. If you say so. If you say so. Um, has, has, I mean, and we all growing up, every, every single person in this room has grown up and at some point in their life and, oh, I mean, when I grow up, I'm never going to be like, dad, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. How many instances or can you recall the first instance where you caught yourself being your dad? <laughs> well, there's one thing dad always used to tell us, you know, he said uh, something when was going on, he'd uh, say, well, you know what? You guys would have been where you should have been. These things wouldn't happen. So I caught myself saying that a few times. <laughs> Sean? Uh, my, dad's, my dad's name is Larry. And I don't know how many times in the last five years that I get called Little Larry. <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I get into uh, a certain... Some days I'll get into a certain mood and or... Um, yeah, let's just leave it at that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Grumpy old bastard, I think, is what he's going for. <laughs> what is the record? What is the record that both of you have for making your son or daughter hold the flashlight? 
and hold it steady. The longest you've ever made them hold the flashlight. And not my goddamn eyes. <laughs> That's right, yes. Do you have an answer for that? Marty, Ryan, any answers on that? Marty chirping in that he, I couldn't see anyways with my eyesight, so. What do you think, uh, and you actually alluded to it earlier, Pete, um, what do you think the over-under is on how often your kids discuss amongst themselves or, or threaten to put you in a home? One. <laughs> well, Borden's saying hourly, and that's, one of the things, the jokes he's got on with his sister, who's away at college, so he doesn't see a lot of her, but they, they text each other quite often. And so uh, if I get after Bordy about something, he'll text his sister and say, guess who won today's trip to the nursing home? And <laughs> so I'll get, I'll get the text from Marilee say, hey, Dad, what'd you do to Bordy now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, the, the last question I have for you guys is, um, and, a, and a couple of my own, what... Are, what are your favorite dad sayings, either ones that your dad used to say or ones that you have picked up and used on your own? Some of mine were, uh, well, my favorite one, two of them, back to the whole, you know, let's go out and have fun, was you can't be a bull all night and an ox all day. And the other one was if you're going to drink with the boys, you get up with the men. Do you guys have any of those lines that you like to toss out on a regular basis? Or, or any that, that your fathers used to or probably still do use on you? The, uh, our next door neighbors here, the Petties, great neighbors, uh, the, the patriarch of that uh, clan there was, uh, was Bob. And uh, uh, Friday nights when the boys were heading out, Bob's uh, always saying to the boys was that uh, you guys just remember for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditches. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Sean? Generally, just for me, it's uh, what the hell, <laughs> and uh, that was one that my dad used to say a lot, and uh, my grandfather used to say Judas guts a lot too. I use that. I don't know why, but um, there's really no sayings that I have that, yeah, other than what the hell. Oh, fair enough. Well, listen, we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate. It. Thank you to Pete and Donna. And um, next year, I was I just kind of thought of this as I was sitting up here. If Donna would allow it, um, maybe we can have a panel with the Archer children on working with stepdad. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Have a good trip home. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Sean. And Pete, uh, fun conversation, actually. I, I've kind of always wanted to do an episode like working with dad. And I feel like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like, I know there's lots of, lots of industries out there where families work together and kids end up working with their dad quite a bit and, and whatever. But I feel like agriculture is just like, I, I have this feeling and maybe it's cause it's only what I know, but I feel like. Uh, agriculture is like the leading industry in working with your dad and and you know how on trailer park they have like Rickyisms, like worst case Ontario and the flames were golf and the flames were golf like fatherisms like I feel like you get a lot of fatherisms 
um, in the ag world from working with dad. I know, and I know there's quite a few people that listen to this podcast that have worked on our operation and worked for my dad. And I know there's lots of guys out there that have stories for days, uh, young ladies too, that have stories for days of working with my dad. So I just, I like I said, I always kind of wanted to, to get down into that trench. Now, to be 100% honest, um, I thought the interview with Sean and Peter, I thought we were actually getting, you know, throw some more jabs at one another and stuff. But you know what? As the conversation went on, I, I thought that it was going fairly well on, on a more serious tone with some more serious questions. So I just kind of left it the way it was. And, and I was quite happy with it when we were done. I know... I spoke to a uh, young fellow the other night at the Jack and Jill, actually, that was at Pi Day, and he said, you know what, it, it sparked some conversation between me and my dad on the way home, and and you know, that's uh, that's that's what it's all about, it's just, it's having fun, um, I get along with those guys just great, I mean, you, you'd think we were old friends, the kind of the way we converse with one another, and the way we the way we chit-chat back and forth, but we actually, you know, we only see each other about two or three times a year tops. So it's always good. It's always fun to sit down with those guys. And, you know, I hope you you families out there that listen to this podcast that have young children coming up in the operation, I hope at the very least you take something away from that conversation. I mean, there's got to be at least one thing you take away from that conversation. If you if you know those two fellows, Pete and Sean, you know, they they run very large, successful farming operation so when they speak I think uh, a lot of people should tend to listen that's my opinion anyway so so listen that is it that is all for this episode of the Cox Talks podcast hope you enjoyed it hope you had some laughs hope you had some fun uh be sure to tell your friends the most important thing tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast thanks for listening